Thank you for joining us this morning. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Romans chapter 12, verse number 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place, or, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Peterson, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Join us in singing hymn number 215, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul.
you may be seated.
you've been changed today. Man, let's stand as we sing hymn number 405, The Banner of the Cross. Yeah, thank you. You may be seated.
Their chains were fastened tight Down in the jail that night Still Paul and Silas would not be dismayed They said it's time to lift our voice Sing praises to the Lord Let's prove that we will trust Him Come what may God wants to hear you sing When the waves are crashing round you When the fiery darts surround you When despair is all you see God wants to hear your voice When the mighty man has chosen Says your circumstances as hopeless as can be that's when God wants to hear you sing. He loves to hear our praise on our cheerful days when the pleasant times outweigh the bad by far. But when suffering comes along and we still sing songs, that is when we bless our Father's heart. God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing round you, when the fiery darts surround you, when despair is all you see. God wants to hear your voice when the wisest man has spoken. As your circumstance is as hopeless as can be, that's when God wants to hear you sing. God wants to hear you sing when the waves are crashing round you, when the fiery darts surround you, when despair is all you see. God wants to hear your voice when the wisest man has spoken. Says your circumstance is as hopeless as can be. That's when God wants to hear you sing. God wants to hear you sing. God wants to just wondered if I would ever get what a great song brother Scott
glad you could see. It's amazing seemingly small thing. We have a wonderful choir. I hope you never take it for churches our size that wish they could have the music. I'll get myself together here in a minute. We'll get to preaching. You can go to Hebrews chapter 2. Lalo, would you and Caitlin just stand up here for just a minute? So this is Lalo and Caitlin. Many of you have met them. We had a reception last night in their honor for you to get to meet them. But if you were unable to attend, you might get by and shake their hands, visit with them. They're here today kind of interviewing, been here the weekend, kind of interviewing to uh, take the youth and be an assistant, associate to the pastor uh, type thing. And uh, so I want you to pray for them. We're praying for them. I told them it's a two-way street. So they're looking for a place to serve. We're looking for someone to serve with us. And we want them where God wants them. And um, because if they're not supposed to be here and we have them, it'd be a train wreck. And if they miss us, we miss them, it'd be a train wreck. So please be praying for them and uh, so give them. Thanks for that. Uh, Brother Lawler is going to preach for us in the afternoon. So I'd encourage you to come back. He did a great job in Sunday school class. And you won't be wasting your time to come back and hear this young man preach. So thank you. Gilson's got a big day coming up. Hallelujah. We've been awaiting and Friday is going to be adoption day. Hallelujah. We are so excited. We've been praying about this and I can't wait to be there. I just uh, saw my on my plans to be there. I just can't wait to see it. I hear that adoptions are a really cool thing. I can't wait to be there with them and I'd encourage you to pray for them as they adopt three grandchildren. And what a blessing. They're going to have their hands full. They already have their hands full. Whether they're adopted or not, they got their hands full. I'll tell you that right now. So I know you've been praying for them and you love them. And uh, just this special day, we're so thankful that it's finally going to be fulfilled and life can happen. All right. Hebrews chapter 2. If you found that and you can, stand with me in reverence to the reading of the word. We're going to go to verse 17 and 18. It says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest, in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, He's able to succor them that are tempted. Um, So we've been going through Hebrews chapter 2 and we've been talking about the humanity of Christ and how important it was that Jesus came to this earth, that he was born of flesh and blood, that he didn't choose to be an angel to come and to uh, try to provide some form of salvation for mankind, but that he chose to come and to take upon him the form of a man to be made in flesh and blood and 
live among us and then die on behalf of our sins, that heaven might be our eternal home. And these two verses are kind of the capstone for what we find here in Hebrews chapter 2 today. I know this has been a long journey, but I hope it's been a profitable journey for you. I know it has been for me, and I trust it has been for you. I'm looking forward uh, to this message today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your great love for us. What an awesome God you are. The music today has just been wonderful. It's lifted our hearts and praise and adoration towards you. And God, I pray for the preaching of your word today to, to do that also. Lord, that you would set me aside, that I might just be a conduit to bring forth those things that you've laid upon my heart this week. And Lord, that uh, you might be honored and glorified and exalted through the preaching of your word here today. And Lord, I pray for those Christians that are maybe on the border. They just, they just kind of attend once in a while and just kind of lightly take for granted the things that you have done for them. I pray today for working the Holy Spirit in their lives. And Lord, might they recognize the price that was really paid for their salvation. What a great thing it is to be saved, to know heaven is our eternal home. And then, Lord, for Christians today that are solidly serving Faithful, 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 Lord, I pray today you just strengthen them, help them to be encouraged, to continue, to just serve you till that day that you call us home to be with you. And then, Lord, there may be some here that have never accepted you as their Lord and Savior. They might be relying on good works or on a heritage or uh, a religious heritage or maybe a baptism or something that is, is far different than just putting their faith and trust in the work that you've done for our salvation. So Lord, we'd ask for a working of the Holy Spirit in our midst and in our lives that you might be honored and glorified through the preaching of your word here today. We love you and we thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. We ask that you would be exalted through all that is said and done. We ask these things in your precious and most holy name and all the people said, and you may be seated. The first thing to note today is merciful. So I'm going to, um, my title for this is our merciful and faithful high priest. Our merciful and faithful high priest. And so here in verse number 17, as we're reading through the verse, we come to the uh, middle section there. It says that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. And so the word merciful there means having or exercising mercy, compassionate, tender, disposed to pity offenders and to forgive their offenses, unwilling to punish for injuries, applied appropriately to the supreme being. It's pretty awesome when you think about that word merciful and you think about Jesus Christ. So he is called a merciful and a faithful high priest. And so as a merciful high priest, he's not sitting back saying, boy, I can't wait till they mess up again. I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to really lay it on them. I'm going to just really mess them up this time. But our God is a long-suffering God, and he's a merciful God. And to borrow the phrase, he many times he'll give you a lot of rope. He'll let you choose. And that's, that's the whole reason that mankind's created, that 
we as beings might choose to worship him, to accept him, or to reject him, to refuse him, or to be a part of. This is part of the being a man, of having mankind, of flesh and blood, that we might choose. And he's saying, look, I'm a merciful high priest. I'm not going to set in judgment, although he will set in judgment, as we read in Revelations chapter 22. And as we live our life, he is there to be a merciful uh, God to us. He exercised mercy and compassion. He's tender. He's disposed to pity offenders. And I'm thinking, well, I've evidenced that so much in my life. He's been so merciful to me. There's been so many times I've, I've done wrong, and I've gone against what I knew God wanted me to do, and yet he let me do that, and when I came to my senses, I could confess that and come back to him, and he's right there saying, I love you, I forgive you. Maybe you've been guilty of an offense before to someone else, and you've gone to that individual, and you've asked forgiveness. Maybe, maybe not fully bought in, but you knew you needed to do it, so you went kind of maybe half-heartedly, asked for forgiveness, and they're like, I'm not going to grant forgiveness. And maybe then you, you get serious about it, and you go seriously, and you say, I want you to forgive me. I did this, or I did that. I want you to forgive me for, for the way that I treated you, or what I said, or, or what I was involved in. And we have the opportunity to say, I'll grant forgiveness or I won't grant forgiveness. And I hate it when people don't grant forgiveness. I hate it when I've done wrong and I've gone to confess it and someone say, well, we'll see. That's not granting forgiveness. I hate it when I've done wrong and I've gone to somebody and I say, hey, man, I'm sorry about this. I don't, I don't have any excuse for it. I was wrong and I want you to grant me forgiveness. I want you to forgive me. And they're like, oh, okay. But they don't really mean okay. The great thing about going to God is I can go to him and I can say, God, I'm sorry I did this. I, I'm sorry that I, I haven't read my Bible for a week. Or I'm sorry that I talked to that person that way. Or I'm sorry I didn't share uh, Jesus with this person over here. And he's like, I forgive you. He's a merciful God. He's a compassionate God. He understands our workings and he understands our failures. I'm so glad that he chose to take upon him flesh and blood so that he could understand what it's like to live in a body that gets tired and, and uh, the pressures of life seem to be great at times. And yet, in the midst of it all, he proved himself faithful but it gives him an understanding of who we are and where we're at. And he's still that merciful, compassionate high priest that's willing to forgive. In Exodus 34, 6, we read, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. This is our God. He's the long-suffering God. He's full of, of mercy, and he's gracious, and he's abundant in goodness and truth. This is the God that we worship. He's compassionate and tender. He's not willing to see us suffer. He is willing to grant forgiveness, and he 
He pities us in our infirmities and trials and, and having a nature like our own. He understands that humanity, mankind is weak in and of themselves. And he's a merciful Savior who willingly laid down his life that we all might go free. He paid a debt that he did not owe that we might be saved. He is merciful, compassionate. Merciful God, Deuteronomy 4.31 says, For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them. Matthew 5.7, we read, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Speaking of us, we ought to take that quality on of, of our Savior. Luke 6.36 says, Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. And Hebrews, just a little bit later here in Hebrews 8.12, we read, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. He's a merciful high priest. He's a forgiving high priest. He's a loving, compassionate high priest. Second thing we see is he is faithful. He's faithful. Faithful, by definition of Webster's, says, firm in adherence to the truth and to the duties of religion. Firmly adhering to duty of true fidelity, loyal, true to allegiance, as a faithful subject. Constant in the performance of duties or services, exact in attending to commands as a faithful servant. Our Lord and Savior was faithful. He came to this earth with that plan to die upon the cross of Calvary for our sins, and he was faithful to that plan. In the garden, as he prayed and sweat great drops of blood with the concern of what's going to happen to him, he still prayed and he said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. He's a faithful servant. He was faithful to the call that God had given him. He was faithful to his walk here upon this earth. He set for us a perfect example of faithful. And as we read his word, he teaches us how to be faithful in our marriages. He teaches us how to be faithful in our child rearing. He teaches us how to be Faithful in living our lives before others, he is faithful, high priest. Merciful and faithful. Albert Barnes says this about this phrase of Jesus being faithful. He said, Jesus performed with fidelity all the functions pertaining to the office of a high priest. The idea is that it was needful that he should become a man that he should experience as we do the infirmities and trials of life, and that by being a man and partaking of all that pertaineth to man except his sins, he might, uh, he might feel how necessary it was that there should be fidelity in the office of the high priest. He was a race of sinners and sufferers. Here's a race of sinners and sufferers. They were exposed to the wrath of God. They were liable to everlasting punishment, the judgment impended over the race, and the day of vengeance hastened on. All now depended on the great high priest. All their hope was in his fidelity to 
to the great office which he had undertaken. If he were faithful, all would be saved. If he were unfaithful, all would be lost. Hence the necessity that he should enter fully into the feelings, fears, and dangers of man, that he should become one of the race and be identified with them so that he might be qualified to perform with faithfulness the great trust committed to him. That's our Savior. He said in heaven above, and, and think about the wonders and glories of heaven. He sat there with the Father, and he could have said, let's come up with another way that man might be saved. And yet he said, the best way is that I might become one of them. That I might come and understand them. That I might come and relate to them. That they might know that I love them and care for them. How greater love could he have showed than coming to this earth and taking on him the form of a man. He performed his duties faithfully, with full fidelity to the office that he had undertaken. He was faithful. You remember with me, the high priest was set aside in the Old Testament. We'll not have time to run all the scriptures on that. But the high priest was set aside. He was a man that was to enter into the holy place and apply the blood to the mercy seat, he had other responsibilities. His job re demanded that he would be faithful to his calling. Jesus came as a picture of fulfillment of the office of the Jewish high priest. So that leads us to our third point, which is the high priest. So he's a merciful high priest. He's the faithful high priest. And now a description of what, what are we just really talking about, this high priest thing. Well, the Jewish high priest was the successor of Aaron. Aaron was at the head of the ministers of religion among the Jews. So you'll remember as Moses went to lead the children of Israel that he said he was unworthy to speak. And so God said, I'll give you Aaron to come to do your bidding, to speak what I speak to you. You speak to him. He'll speak it uh, on your behalf. Now, as the children of Israel have been led away out of the bondage, and they're out in the wilderness, they build the tabernacle. Aaron and his sons are then marked as being the Levites, the ones that are going to come and intercede before God and take care of the things of God for the people of God. And so they have a high priest. Aaron, while he was alive, was that high priest. When he died, then they had a, an order to pick another high priest, and he was like the head of all the priests under him. And he was set there, and he was to make sure that the solemn ceremonies were taken care of, and that the, the, the showbread was in place, and that the uh, candles were burnt, and that then the blood offerings were made, and they were to be made a certain way. And he oversaw all of that. It was an uh, office that required great faithfulness to oversee all the details, to make sure that it was done just right as he represented the entire nation of Israel and as he represented the holy God, he was the ambassador there. He was the intercessor there between God and man. But he could only do so much. Jesus came completing that. He came and he completed the picture in the Old Testament of the high priest and what he did, realizing that he was just a man and he could 
only oversee the blood sacrifices, and the blood must be sacrificed, the blood must be shed for the redemption of man. He came and he fulfilled all of that. He came also representing God. He came telling mankind, look, God loves you, he cares for you. This is my chosen people, Israel, and this is what they've had to do, and these are the things that they've had to do. It was all about the offering of blood and sacrifices, these things that they might keep their heart right and pure before God. But I'm coming as the perfect high priest. And he came and he fulfilled his calling there on the cross of Calvary when he hung and he died for the sins of all mankind. The perfect sacrifice once and for all offered for the sins of mankind. The perfect high priest. I'm telling you, I don't know how many times I've told you, I'm glad that we don't have stock trailers out here today. We're standing here with knives, cutting up animals and shedding blood. I'm so glad that one sacrifice superseded all sacrifice. One sacrifice, once, by, by the way, don't ever forget, once and for all. Once and for all. We know, you may know, of individuals who belong to religious groups that believe they can lose their salvation. We had some friends that believed you could lose their salvation. When we got down to brass tacks talking about it, we believed that the people they think could lose their salvation, we believe they never had salvation. They believed that, well, you know, they, they were in church, they looked really good, and then they went off and they got back in the world and they lived in the world and they had no regrets of the way they chose to live their life. And I, I would say they probably never had it. They probably just went through a look, you know, they thought the emotion would be something that would help them feel good about themselves. The great thing about salvation is once you possess it, you never lose it. Forever. Everlasting life. I didn't deserve everlasting life. None of us did. It doesn't matter where we were born in life or it doesn't matter what we possess or or the things that we might be able to accumulate, or how good a life that we might be able to live. None of us deserved eternal life, but Jesus came giving eternal life to all mankind because he was the perfect high priest. He was the fulfillment of all the sacrifices that had to be offered all the years to atone for the sins of mankind. He was able to take care of it once. Now we can possess eternal life. Through one simple act. Aren't you glad it's simple? I'm a pretty simple guy. I'm glad it's simple. Come before him, I confess my sins. Boy, that's not hard for me to admit. I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. Say, our preacher, rotten sinner. Well, yeah. Put my socks on like you do. My pants go on one leg at a time. I am a man and sin has had rain in my body. I'm so thankful that when I called upon Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins, he forgave me of my sins. And then the next day or whenever it was that I sinned again, I confessed again and I asked him to forgive me. I wasn't getting saved again. I was just asking for forgiveness again. Once I'm saved, I'm always saved. Boy, that would be great, wouldn't it, if that meant that sin ended in our life? 
and that we became perfect little angels, and we could just walk around, and we'd never offend anyone, and boy, I'm telling you, the world would be great that way. But that's not the way it is. I love 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's been plenty of times since I've started my walk with God and He's been my Lord and Savior that I've had to come to Him and say, God, it's me again. I'm blown it here again. God, would you forgive me again? He said, yes, I grant that forgiveness. That's the great and awesome God that we have. He's a merciful and faithful high priest. He has paid the price that all mankind might be saved. Now, with those points made, this Wednesday we start our missions conference. I'm so thankful that I know that I'm saved, and I'm so thankful that I possess salvation. I'm so thankful to know that heaven's my eternal home. But we must never, ever forget that there's a world out there that needs to know Jesus. There's a world out there that needs to know. There's people that live next door to you. There's people that live across the street from you. There's people you go out to to eat and a, a waitress waits on you. She needs to know about Jesus. And wherever you buy your gas, they need to know about Jesus. And when you go to Walmart, they need to know about Jesus. And people you bump into and say hi to, you may never meet again, but they still need to know about Jesus. This faithful high priest the world needs to know about. They need to know what you possess. They need to know about Jesus. And as we think about our missions conference starting this week, let's be mindful of this fact, that this world in which we live needs to know about Jesus. And we are required to tell the world around us about Jesus. And so as we prepare our hearts for this missions conference, might we pray and might we say, God, am I doing all that I can to affect the lives around me, telling them about Jesus, inviting them to church, sharing with them the good news of what has happened to me? And then, God, how can I further my reach of the gospel? How can I help the gospel to go around the world? Can I do more for the cause of Christ? Can I be involved in faith promise missions that I might be able to help support the missionaries who go? I can be able to support the Chucks and the Crystals that have gone to California. I can support the Scuffums who want to go to Cambodia. Anybody want to sign up for that trip? I'll give money to go. I'm not interested in going, but I'll give money for someone who's willing to go. Japan? I have a hard enough time commanding English, let alone chopsticks. But I can give some money. I'm sure you're smart people. You've thought about this before, probably. If we would spend our whole life going from location to location to location, I think we would probably spend almost our entire life just trying to cover America, never going back over just constantly going, trying to reach it all. How will we ever reach the entire world if we don't get behind others and help them go? There's no way we can do it ourselves. We must bond together. And missions has proven to be a great vehicle to do We can give our money to help our missionaries to go, to help reach this world for the cause of Christ. 
our prayer should be that the light of the gospel would never go out. That it's always going forward. It's always reaching to this lost and dying world around us. I'm going to close my sermon with a word. And it's found in verse number 18. Sucker. There's several key words in this portion of Scripture that I, as I was reading through them, I thought, man, I, I think I could preach an entire sermon about the words behooved, the word reconciliation, and this word sucker. This word means to run to or to run to support, hence to help or relieve when in difficulty, want or distress, to assist and deliver from suffering as to succor a besieged city or prisoners. Jesus Christ came, gave his life, and says of him here in this scripture, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Is there to be our help? You say, I don't know, preacher. I don't know how I can be a, a greater help in the cause of missions. And maybe I'll turn to the Lord and say, Lord, what will you allow me to do? How will you allow me to help? God, I know I've got to start at home. I've got to start with those around me. But God, would you give me some extra money? Or would you help me to set with my budget and figure out what maybe I can trim here or there that I might be able to do more for the cause of Christ? That I might be able to help more missionaries? to go and carry the good news of Jesus to this lost and dying world in which we live? Why? Because the entire world needs to know about our merciful, faithful high priest. His name is Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for the fact that Jesus was willing to come to this earth and to die in our steads for our sin, that heaven might be our eternal home. Thank you that he's a merciful Savior, that he's a faithful He proved to be the ultimate high priest. He took all the pictures and examples before and superseded them and then added on top of the fact that he is now our direct intercessor before God. Lord, as we think about our lives, I pray that we would truly examine them and recognize, are we truly saved? Do we truly know Christ as our Savior? Did he truly do that work on my behalf that heaven might be my eternal home? Then, Lord, I pray for Christians today that we might recognize the great responsibility we have to share the good news about this faithful high priest, this merciful high priest with the world around us. Help us to share the good news of Jesus, whether it be family members or neighbors or, or co-workers or those that we just meet in everyday activities. God, help us to be faithful to tell others about Jesus. Take this invitation, Lord. Use it in our lives and our hearts that we might bring honor and glory to you. We love you and we ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Have a moment of invitation. If God spoke to your heart, encourage you to come. Whatever your need, Brother Foster leads us and have thine own way. Would you come? Have thine own way.
from the bulletin. Uh, we do extend our sympathies to the Medlin family uh, with Brother Paul's passing. And then uh, missions conference starts Wednesday night. goes Wednesday through Sunday. Evening services are at 7. So that's uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, 7 o'clock. Each service will be followed by a dessert from a different field, okay? And so I'd encourage you to come, uh, the different fields there. It tells you which night, I guess, if you want to know which dessert you want to come for, right? I know that uh, Brother brother Dan Gilson will be here for the Mexican dessert. He, <laughs> he Yeah. <laughs> then uh, we have a big international banquet on March the 4th, 5 o'clock. Uh, if you've never been to one, you need to come one it's pretty amazing the ladies decorate rooms uh, try to take you to the continent where the food is from and the food will be superb so we encourage you to come we have the parker family to japan the scuffin family to cambodia and the marinos to california that's like a country all its own right and so uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to that uh, we have a youth rally coming up on March 17th, information there in the bulletin, a man camp coming up, and a ladies' dinner. You can mark those things down. We do have our prayer needs here. Uh, these listed in the prayer area. ask that you remember to pray for them. And then one to add, if you don't mind. Um, we had a young man that uh, he actually is my first Timothy, the first young man I actually taught him how to write a message and how to present it and uh 52 years old died with a uh, uh, cancer they found it one week and he's dead the, a week after i uh, was sharing with miss stanford she was telling me they they call this uh, turbo cancer the doctor said he'd never seen cancer like it before diagnose it uh, they weren't even completely through diagnosing it when they did he died two days later so if you would pray for the Zeke family, uh, and Brother Jim's preached here before. We supported him when he was in Missoula as a missionary pastor church up in uh, Spokane, Washington. So if you would pray for them and, and us, it's uh, pretty, pretty rough. Uh, he's like a, a son in so many ways, and uh, he's going to be greatly missed. So if you would uh, remember to pray for them, I know. Be back at 1 o'clock. Looking forward to uh, hearing... Um, Brother uh, Lalo Servan, I know it'll be awesome. He did a great job in Sunday school. I'd love for you to be here for that. Let's close in prayer. Brother Stephen, would you?